Um, but like, kind of, we were talking about MMA before, and yeah. you know, this is uh, the Apex Vaulting Podcast. Got Sean Francis here. Um, we we're just talking about a certain topic, but if you kind of look at the MMA world, where there are certain instructors out there like if you want to improve your striking you go to this guy if you want to improve your ground game you go to this guy and i do feel like there are certain pole coaches out there where you know even some top level people could probably like learn so much even if they do just a little training camp you know what i mean like that doesn't yeah. have to become your new coach oh totally. you know what i mean yeah. it's like you and your current coach can go maybe like see what a mike lorick does because we're here at the Steamtown uh, mall ball and mike lorick's group vertical assault is putting it together and i just you know, obviously Mike Lorick has been a guest on the show. He's just, his athletes always have great flow in the jump and they get a lot of yeah. push off off the top of their jump. You right. know, I mean, what do you think about that? What do you, is that something that is maybe a possibility for some, some pole vaulters out there? Um, I think it's a good idea. Um, in, in some, I, I mean, that's kind of the philosophy in front of the pole vault is you can create a team around yourself and maybe right. as a team decision, you can go out and bring in some other ideas. Right. So the best example I have is, is when I was jumping at the University of Minnesota with Stephen Caroline White. Steve, Steve coaches the men there. He's a volunteer. He's had multiple 18-foot guys there. Right, yeah. Caroline yeah, had well. a you know, nat, couple national runner-ups, just insanely yeah, yeah, yeah. great uh, coaches. But when I work with Steve, if I work with Steve more than one day, because he's like, oh, you fixed it. Let's try this next thing. Let's try this next thing. Let's try this next thing. And Caroline's more my style. Like, let's drill this until it's perfect, you know? Right, right, right. So it's how we've kind of approached it is me and Caroline work on this thing until it's good. And then when we're like, all right, let's go to Steve and get 50 new ideas and then come back and pick one of those ideas that kind of works on. I found a lot of success with that. And other vaulters find success other ways, too. Yeah, so. I, I mean, I definitely think the team approach is a really good idea because there you, you have a couple brains to bounce ideas around. Sometimes when it's just you and one other person, it can kind of get stuck in a rut. Oh, totally. That, you know that's what, I mean? what learning and education is for. I mean, that's why I read books all the time. That's why people watch movies and are listening to this podcast and looking for another avenue to explore. And if you yeah. keep yourself in that box, as you said, it can be dangerous. But yeah. at the same time, if you're constantly outside of that box in a structured no, environment I, that I, can be dangerous I think it too. has to be guided like we were talking yeah. earlier about your training and how sometimes it's tough because you were doing a lot of the physical training on your own like it was right. on you and how straining that could be mentally of like trying to figure out not just what you want to do but then while you're in the workout you have to decide am I being a baby right now and wussing out or or am I being too thick-headed and I should stop before I get hurt, you know? Yeah, that that was tough. Like, when I, when I was training at NDSU post for a couple of years, yeah. I, I was training with a team. And, and that was fine and it worked great, too. But you're in that same situation as, you know, maybe we should do less, maybe we should do more. And so I, I guess when I was training by myself, it was a little... I definitely overdid it, I'm not going to lie there. Yeah. But... uh from the situation that I was given at hand, I just worked with the best with what I had. Could right. I have worked with a team? I would have had to drive to the U every single day, an hour right. there, an hour back. So there's two hours out of my there's day of just stress. Yeah. There's logistics. So I wasn't willing to just give up two hours sitting in a car versus training right. on my own with an iPod. And yeah, yeah. And yeah. I mean, I think we all have to kind of make it work in our own scenarios. But yeah. like the thing, yeah. I guess, like that I'm kind of advocating for, and you know, we were talking about before, like how do we fix the pole vault world? Like, how do we make it better, you know? Right, yeah. And I almost, like, I like the ideas of these these training groups that are kind of starting to form. You know, Scott Houston, we had him on earlier today, and he's got a great thing going on down there um, with uh, Coach Morell. You know, they, they have that that vault group, and, and Scott and a couple post-collegiates are training together, and I think that's really helpful. Um, and like we said, you have a couple different 
brains working on how to yeah. fix this problem, you know, from a team perspective. You know, I know even at my club, you know, we have we have a big group that's that's working together. We have a couple different people that are coaching at the club and kind of bounce ideas around, you know, and that that's definitely helpful. But I feel like if people move more towards that kind of a direction, it it helps out with even some logistical stuff like poles, where to jump, you know, what yeah. meets, how to travel to a meet. You yeah, know, stuff definitely. Like that. The, the team thing is great, and it's been a great idea, and it's worked. Um, Tim Max, I forgot where I read this. There was some article in grad school about Tim Mack and his coach, and they were talking about how they were successful because Tim stayed with his coach all through right. college and all through. So there's like a system where you need to stay in it, but times where you need to get out and bring in new ideas. It's a, it's the people who seem to struggle when they jump ship completely and try and new coaches and things like that. Too drastic of a change, I guess. Is yeah, I, I, I definitely like, we, uh, again, we were talking about it earlier. I, I think there's something so important uh, between an athlete and a, co a coach and their trust in each other. Yeah. And I think it's decisions that need to be made together. I, I agree. If you see someone that's bouncing around constantly, like you're going to have a tough time maintaining a, a good, steady progress. Right. You might get a, a bump every once in a while because maybe, maybe you do upgrade, right? Maybe you're right. jumping with a coach that's not super knowledgeable and now you go to a more knowledgeable coach and you get that bump in PR. But to some people, it's like, it's almost a bad thing because yeah. then they think, well, let me go find the next coach right. who can give me that next bump. Yeah. People don't realize it's it's, it's a long road. <laughs> you need to stick with it out to see where it's going to go. There's going to be ups and there's going to be downs. So it's like if you jump ship every time there's a down, you're never going to find any of those ups either. So yeah. as long as the progress is consistently progressing, that's where I think a lot of people find it. And a lot of people find success with Tim Mack down there. Yeah, that and, the, the and Vault Academy that, that he started with is Earl awesome. Bell is the same way. And there's right. other you know, jumping facilities around too. And people who stick with their club coaches for a long time have been really successful too. Yeah. There's a lot, of, like like I've always kind of preached in my blog, there's a lot of different ways to pole vault. So if you're trying to learn one way and then you, again, jump ship, then it's almost like you're relearning the event. But yeah, you're definitely going to have to readjust. I mean, imagine if you're a guy that's jumping even even just 16 feet. Right. You know, you're, you're having some success there, you know, and, and now to drastically change your technique, it's it's going to be a learning process. You see that all the time. You might have to. Yeah. You might have to, but it's going to be a learning process. Um, with you, what, what did you jump in high school? What did you jump in college? And and take us maybe through a little yeah. bit of the post collegiate. Um, I was pretty I was pretty average. Like uh, in in high school, I jumped 15 feet, nothing too crazy. Okay. In Minnesota, that was a big deal because. It, we only get three, well, really, they say three months, but it's more like six weeks because uh, right, yeah, the snow the, and all that fun stuff. Yeah, right? yeah. So uh, I had the highest jump in the state that year, which you think is a big deal. And then you go to college and you realize, man, there's college, there's like high school kids jumping 17 feet. Like, oh my, you, you get knocked yeah. down a couple pegs, which I needed. Right. And uh, we were just moving Division One, so we couldn't compete at NCAs for a couple years. Oh, wow. And so uh, by the end of, I told myself I jumped, I wanted to jump 18 feet in college. That was kind of my big goal. And uh, I told myself my senior year that if I jumped 17 feet, I'd keep going and keep trying to get that 18 foot mark. Right, right, right. So I ended up jumping 17 indoors and outdoors. Um, 17 at Drake, actually, which sounds crazy because nobody jumps well at Drake. Well, right, yeah. I have both people, my PRs at Drake. People always have like bad weather conditions yeah. there. It's kind of like a, in the East Coast, it would be Penn Relays. Penn right, Relays yeah. is usually a terrible situation. And, uh, Chris Chappell actually told me a funny story. Chris Chappell is affiliated with UCS. Uh, his father's, you know, yeah. I don't know if he's CEO or whatever. Um, but Chris was a pole vaulter himself. I think he was a 1710 guy. And he was telling me a story about his freshman year. 
jumping with, um, oh my goodness, I can't remember. Who coaches at Kansas right now? Toby? No, 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 Toby's at Kentucky. Or Kentucky, the other uh, case. Kansas, oh my goodness, Tom Hayes. Oh, there you Tom go, yeah. Hayes is the coach at Kansas, and he was uh, Chris's college coach, and they were at Drake Relays, and Chris was like, Bronco, I was used to just jumping in warm weather, no wind. <laughs> right. He goes, me and my freshman teammate were running through, running through. And he told me a story that Tom Hayes pulled him aside and said, listen, you guys need to walk into that tunnel right now and decide whether you're going to pull vault today. <laughs> and if you're going to pull vault, come back out. That's if awesome. not, don't come out of the tunnel. And just keep in mind, if you don't come out, you're not traveling next weekend. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. So, yeah, oh, I can imagine what it was like at Drake. Yeah, I think I think that's why I jumped well, Drake, because – like I, I went to school at North Dakota State. It's cold. Yeah. It's like so. It was better weather for you. Better Drake. weather. Yeah, <laughs> it was. It really was. It, I mean, you think anywhere in the world's cold until you get seventy mile an hour winds with negative thirty degrees. And it's yeah, that's cold Fargo. That's rough. Yeah. So uh, back to back to the story. So I I jumped that first year after college, and uh, ended up jumping five forty. Like I PR'd by one meet. I went from seventeen feet to five forty. I just had a, one of those meets where it's like, well, I wanted to meet. Just throw the bar up really high and see yeah, where it yeah, goes yeah. so we threw it up and I made it like my first attempt awesome yeah then jumped deep for 18 feet the next and didn't make it and then uh, that was my first time qualifying for US championships and ended up placing fifth I tied with Jack Witt that year and he was in college. so then wow. it was like hey this is kind of cool and I'm, I'm sure you this. knew at that point it's like Jack Witt was such a big name even in high school oh, and yeah. it's like you're right it there it was his first him. year in college yeah. you know so he, I mean you're just yeah you're just like Jack Witt and you know I think Mark Mark won that year and Okay. You know, Derek got second. So you're jumping with Derek Miles and Daniel Ryland. Yeah, and that's guys. crazy. So, you know, I just was, I didn't say a word. I was like completely <laughs> terrified to talk to any of these guys because I've like I've watched videos of you guys for you. You're yeah. kind of like a you great... just don't want to sound stupid too. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Right? You don't want to like let's say not know something. I, I honestly, like, yeah. you might get so nervous you put the pole in backwards into totally. the box or something. Totally. <laughs> Is this a left-handed pole or right-handed pole? <laughs> yeah, I thought I totally felt like I snuck into that meet. Like yeah. I don't know how I got here, but. Thanks. I guess I got fifth, so I won a little bit of prize money, and then uh, next year I blew out my shoulder. And but uh, I had four doctors tell me I'd never pole vault again. Wow! And so we went to another. I had a really good friend, Doctor Eric. We'll just call him Doctor okay. Eric. And he uh, told me to go check out the surgeon down in the cities, and he okay. works on the Minnesota Twins guys. So okay, I was like, it's my last shot. And I guess I'm never pole vaulting again. And you know, within. 20 minutes he's like oh we'll have you vaulting in three months man you won't be jumping very high because you'll be weak as hell but right we'll right right high again. so yeah that's that kind of started the recovery back um and then that next year i fell into like this really deep depression i've had a history with depression and things like that yeah i mean I, for anybody who obviously doesn't know uh sean's been posting a lot a lot of videos on pole vaulting and then he also talks about mental health and, and issues that obviously are super important i mean not just for pole vaulters but for regular people and and specifically for the pole vault, I, I think it's a battle. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I mean, the best way I've ever heard, I think Don Hood told me when I was a freshman, he's like, pole vault's 80% mental and the rest is in your head. <laughs> and it's so true. Like, the more you think about yeah, yeah. it, you, you, it hurts your brain thinking about it, but you're like, that's, like, that's pole vault right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't say it any better. So, yeah, I kind of fell into that depression, but came out um, realizing that, man, I, I still really want to try this pole vault thing. And, I had a master's degree, you know, at that point. I was just finishing it. I did my thesis on the biomechanics of the pole vault takeoff, so I pretty much got my master's in pole vault. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. how I like to think about it. And then, uh, yeah, that year, you know, I, I broke that 18-foot mark, you know, indoors, training with Stephen Carroll. this Caroline. is after surgery. This is after the yeah, surgeries yeah, yeah. and things. And, uh, 
yeah, it just that's kind of the rest is history. That's where the blogs kind of start, right. right around there. So if you want to know the rest, just check. The yeah, blogs yeah, out, yeah. I suppose. Um, and then you know, earlier we were talking about it. So, I mean, outsider looking in, how awesome of a career, you know what I mean? And yeah. you end up jumping eighteen four. Yeah, five fifty five. So okay, yeah, yeah, almost sixty. Yeah, and so um, and you placed second at USA's second and USA's in two thousand fourteen. Yeah, right yeah, behind Mark. So, why do you walk away? Uh, for me, for me, it just it stopped being fun. Like the gr- the grind to train was really fun for a long time, and then I got to a point where I just didn't know where else I could go in the sport. For me, for yeah, yeah, me yeah. personally, I think a, a lot of people want to go to the Olympics, and the Olympics was never a huge goal of mine. Which sounds crazy to most people when I try and tell them that. So I don't tell many people that. <laughs> you're trying to, it just doesn't make sense. Because why else would you be in the sport? For me, I was in the sport because I wanted to see what I could do and where I could go with it. I wanted to see if I could compete with those guys. That was like my biggest Right, thing. right. So I got to that point where I was like, I got second. I'm competing with these guys. I'm still getting beat by Renault, but I don't think I'll plan on beating him anytime soon. I'm not <laughs> really that caliber jumper. But uh, I'm jumping with them, which is yeah. all I really ever wanted to see what I could do. And then I was like, well, if I do stay here, where else can I grow? Like, I can jump a little higher, maybe get to some bigger diamond league meets if I jump these certain bars or something but that that's about it like I felt like at a certain point in in track and field you like you got to call it quits and then what so for me it was like well where can I have this biggest impact and I was like well with this video production kind of stuff or where I'm taking it I can make some pole vault videos make some pole vault vlogs help the pole vault community that way and at the same time I can work with charities and try and tell their stories yeah, yeah, a little yeah. bit better I really just wanted to tell the underdog story of these up-and-coming businesses that don't have a voice. I wanted to be that voice for them. And I found kind of my my place there. And that's kind yeah. of what I've been trying to do lately. It, it's interesting, too, to hear you say, like, you know, your goal wasn't the Olympics. And, yeah, you're right. It is funny. Like, people are like, what do you mean your goal isn't the yeah, Olympics? Yeah, why not? Like, yeah. doesn't everybody start out wanting to be on the Wheaties box and go to the Olympics? Right. yeah. But the thing is, it is interesting. Like, I think about some athletes that I've coached over the years – their initial goal in the pole vault might have been just to jump higher than their teammate or to beat their brother or sister right. or yeah, just you know see if they it. could hit some certain mark yeah. or get their varsity jacket, you know? Right. And so when you do get to, let's say, like 18-4-ish, and some people are just like, dude, you got to keep grinding away. Let's let's go. Let's get that 19-foot bar. But if it's not what you really want to do, you know, we even with uh, um, Scott Houston's group, we were talking about it. It's like... You can't just keep force yourself. No, you know it's, I mean? it's got to be something you want. When you that know? work reward ratio flips on its head, that's when I was like, man, it's it's more work than the reward. For a long time, it was one hundred percent reward. There was nothing that could I could blow up my shoulder and I still wanted. I was like, I'm gonna do therapy better than anybody else. Right. And I'm gonna go run my ass. Off. I'm sorry if I'm swearing. No, it's okay. Don't worry about it. I'm gonna run my ass off just to be fast because I can't use my arms right now, so I'm gonna train what I can right, train. Right. Right. And that's how I approached it, and it was fun, even though you're puking after workouts and, you know, yeah, things are yeah, sore, yeah, yeah. but it got to the point where it's like, man, I don't even want to do my recovery day today. I would rather do something else that I'm passionate about. And right. So, yeah, I, I I just didn't feel like it was fair to me or even the pole vault community is trying to grind it out just for somebody else's dream. Mine was mine wasn't the Olympics. I kind of realized mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh... Yeah. If you accomplish the goals that you kind of saw for yourself, I mean, kind of, I mean, look, I, I'm not a good football player. I'll start <laughs> out by that. Um, I mean, in high school, I jumped, and um, I only jumped 10-6. We didn't have a coach. 
we all had relative, a, man. We had to take the mats <laughs> in and out every day. You know, like, it was, like, one of those scenarios, like, you had to just figure stuff out yeah. on your own. Like, we run our steps back, whatever. Yeah. And the way I kind of got more involved in pole vaulting is when I started coaching at the high school level right. where they were, I was like, dude, are you sure? I don't know if I should do this. <laughs> right. And they got me out there and I just immersed myself in it. Like we were talking earlier, I, I got a chance to work with Alan Launder. I worked very closely with Mike Lorick. Um, I got to work with Roman Bicharnikov and, you know, coach some of the people that I have. And I personally, since I jumped 14 from a five, um, so that's good for me. But same thing, it's like, I know I could jump a little higher, but the thing is, my vision is to help other right, people. Exactly. You know, I want to coach other athletes, help guide them, and take them as far as they want yeah. to go. So you get you it, know? but it'd be like if I, if I was just to throw some perspective and someone still can't wrap their head around this. Yeah. It's like, well, I know you're helping all these other people, but you need to train as hard as you can to jump 15 feet. <laughs> well, why? 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 Yeah, yeah, I'm that's not kind of where I like, got to. One, it's like it's not gonna get you anywhere. Like if I jump 15, that's wonderful, but I'm 36 years old. That's not gonna <laughs> right. qualify for the Olympics. Yeah, look, like, <laughs> you know log what I mean. Logically, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, and then, like whereas I can help yeah. all these people. Just like you know what is great with your vlogs, you know you you have the opportunity to help all these people. You know, yeah. and either teach them something about pole vault, maybe help them with, with some mental health stuff. Yeah. Um, because again, like we were talking earlier, I mean, it's it's an interesting animal, like mental health and trying to always be like a happy, productive person. You oh, know? yeah, and that's not real life. You know, yeah, like yeah, no yeah. one's just happy all the time. Like we, Never. we're humans. No, I can't achieve that. I know. <laughs> that's what everyone's trying to achieve, and yeah. I think that's what causes depression for a lot of people. Not just depression, but like mental illness. Like, why is this person so? And I think. I mean, we could go on a huge rant about social media and how they only show the good sides of people. Oh, and, my know, goodness. That's yeah. a whole other subject. Well, but. well, social media, I mean, on a personal level, like, everyone is almost like putting out advertisements that their life, or, life is awesome. great. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, everybody's smiling. Everybody's having the greatest breakfast. Exactly. And then, then they went to their greatest job ever. And they're yeah. married to the greatest person. Yeah. And they have the most beautiful baby. And, right. Yeah. You know, and is, that, is that authentic? I mean, I, that's just not real life. That's social media life, I guess. That's right. how I look right. at it. And I, I think a lot of kids get lost in that. Like, man, this person's doing so good. And I, I try and catch myself so I don't do that in vlogs. If I'm not feeling good someday, I... I, as much as I don't want to put it out there, be like, I'm just not feeling so hot today. I throw that out there because that's real life. And I think it's, people it's authentic. To yeah. The vulnerability in the in the real life of it, you know. And there was a long time in the old vlogs where it's like I need to make these happy every single week because I'm trying to like help people be happy yeah, all the time. Yeah, right, right, right. And uh, I mean, I think you, you can still have a sense of humor even if you're not feeling so. I've seen a lot of like dark movies that are still pretty funny. You know, it's the right. same or, kind of idea. Or they enlighten you. You know what I mean? Yeah, or you just you connect to somebody who's working through it. Because yeah. everyone works through different parts of emotional type stuff all the time. Well, I know height's not fun, right? But right. You, I mean, essentially, that's that's the depression of pole vault, if you think about <laughs> yeah. it, right? I know height's like the worst thing that could possibly happen, right? right? But if you can tweak the way you look at it, no height. Like I tried to explain in one of my last videos, is like you can if you can learn something from no height, it can be a good thing at the same time. Yeah. And so if you, I mean, it's all it's all. Depends on how you look at it. Well, sure. we were even talking about earlier um, about a conversation I had with my athletes yeah. this morning driving to the meet and how, you know, sometimes you don't feel like doing a workout. Totally. And yeah. sometimes I beat myself up. I'll literally be like, look, you're going to be a fat piece of crap if you don't get this workout <laughs> right. in. You're 
you're going to be worthless. Yeah. You know, and it's real negative. My kids were like, oh my God, do you think that before every workout? <laughs> and I'm like, no, no, no. Like sometimes I love doing the workout. Like I yeah. love getting in there and, and doing my, my, my lifting or whatever. But some days I'm just out of it. And instead of letting myself just, you know, be like, oh, I'm tired. I'm going to skip it. Yeah. That's the way I motivate, motivate myself. And we were kind of talking about it in the car. Like, look, there's positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement and punishment. Right. And I think a lot of people tend to be like, well, I'm a positive reinforcement guy. That's the happy way to think about things. Right. But in reality, we all need a mix of those. Totally. A balance, balance is always key. Balance is key in everything. I think yeah. everything we're talking about, too, it's with coaching everything else. If you overdo any type of training, you're, you're going to break. That's just what happens with your body. You know, if you don't do enough, you're going to be weak and you're not going to jump high enough. So you got to find that balance. And everyone's balance is a little different. This yeah. is emotional, psychological, this is physical, all this stuff. Well, well right. So, like the hours I put in coaching, I mean, gosh, I'm sure there are weeks where I'm putting in like at least 70-hour weeks coaching. Right. And you if you it, took probably. somebody else and throw them into that week, right. they're going to be done by Wednesday. Totally. Yeah. But, you know, so you build up that, that stamina. The stamina, yeah. But I, I was even talking to somebody the other day. It's like, I, you know, I love coaching. I have a pole vaulting club. You know, I'm doing a pole vault podcast. Like, it's awesome. But there was a point in my career where I realized, like, I have to back off a little bit. Like, I probably shouldn't stay up till 2 in the morning <laughs> watching film right. because I'm going to be tired the next day and then I'm not going to be happy at practice. And, right. you know, sometimes I have to let things slide till the next time. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I caught myself doing that with pole vault every once in a while. I was like, when things were going good, things were good. But if things got bad, you kind of, I started to wrap myself in it. Like my yeah. identity kind of. Right. And the, before that, the, actually the night before I jumped, my PR at 555 at, got sucked in at the US Champs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had like this realization. I was talking to Andrea Sabatini. Okay. Like she called me and wished me good luck. And um, we had this big long talk and I was kind of freaking out because that meet I jumped, I opened and jumped 18 feet in Reno and then every meet I was jumping three inches lower. So like the oh. last meet before championships, I only jumped 520. So I'm going oh, wow. into this meet getting worse every single right, week right, and right, my right. mind is just like, you suck, you don't yeah, deserve yeah, yeah. to be here. And she, she said something like that changed my life forever. And I think about this all the time where she's like, you are not pole vault, it's just something you do. And then I was, it was like something clicked in my head. I was like, yeah. Wait, why, why couldn't I figure this out on my own? And then it's, from then on out, it was like the results, they mattered. Like in terms of discovering or having data on how to adjust in, you know, my training schedule and things like that. But like it didn't make me a bad person. I know how to do anything else. It's just me trying no. to discover something. Yeah. I think a lot of young kids especially get caught up in that. You see a no height, just kill them or they don't jump a PR. And it's like... Well, guys at the elite level would kill the PR every four years, you know what I mean? <laughs> right, right. I, I, And I definitely think that happens because a lot of pole vaulters don't start until like the high school age range, some of them even late in high school, so they're right. physically talented. And because the learning curve is happening so rapidly, they're right. PRing so quickly. Right. And, you know, some people are ready to punch their Olympic t ticket like three months into training, totally. you know? And that's not the reality. Once you kind of achieve a technical proficiency, you kind of hit a mark, and now it's going to be a slower, steady progress like we were discussing yeah. earlier. You know? I mean, yeah, that that's exactly how I was in high school. I mean, I, I think sophomore year I went 12-6, and then 12-6, 14, 15. I was like, oh, I'll jump 18 in college. This will be easy. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> no problem, yeah. And then, <laughs> man, that was not right at all. I yeah. think most kids well, fall into that problem. Well, and too, thank God, too, you didn't look at your, your high school coaches and be like or your college coach and be like, guys, what's the deal? Like, I clearly <laughs> right. am supposed to be on this track and you're not getting me there. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, that just goes to trusting that process. Yeah, though, yeah, you know? yeah. And, um, 
Yeah, I mean, we're getting a little off the track here, but uh, I mean, <laughs> Mondo, Mondo's kind of a good example of that, too, is you see a kid jumping 19 feet. Everyone thinks they can jump 19 feet, but oh, people forget goodness. that his mom was an Olympian and his dad's a 19-footer, and he yeah. started when he was three. You know, yeah, he, he's yeah. got over 10 years of jumping experience. These kids have, like, a year and a half. Yeah, and, th- and then also, it's like we were talking about, it, like, his proficiency to learn technique is so high. I mean... He was probably 10 or 11 when he posted that one video where he was doing impressions of vaulters. Impressions. He did Colwick. Uh, he did uh, Huffman Roll. Yeah. Oh, okay. Just, yeah. Hold on one. I'm, I apologize. <laughs> We're at a meet and, like, I have to warm somebody up. Just um, go back and get Luke and tell him to come get you when Craig and all of them are ready to go. But, yeah. So... Yeah, I mean, that, that kid's technical proficiency and how quickly he adapts. Yeah, his you know, training age is so old compared to everybody Right, else. right, yeah. yeah. Even though he's a senior in high school, it's, it's as if somebody else is, like, maybe on their second or third post-collegiate year, if you really think about so, it. Yeah. Because you're talking about maybe four years of high school, which, do right. you even count freshman year for most people? <laughs> right. Probably not. And then four years of, of college. I mean, that he's been eight. having, yeah. you know, a lot more training than that. A lot more. And he's got a pit in his backyard, you know. Which, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's just a lot of things that are happening that I, I get that. I just, I'm only mentioning this because I get this email a lot. Like, why am I not jumping? I was watching Mondo's jump. I want to jump like this. It's like, well, you're not Mondo. So maybe, like, there's some things you could do, like, that his jump works. Like, I, I coach everything based on physics. So, like, there's, if the physics makes sense, then try that. But, like, based on Mondo's height and his building, the way he runs and all this stuff, like, you're not Mondo. You should jump like you. Find what works best for you and figure out how well, to do and, it that and, way. And even if Mondo's style works exactly, like, let's say that's, like, that's it. Me and you did some research and we found out that's right. the perfect way. The thing is, he still also has that runway speed, that jumping ability, totally. the, the yeah. latch strength to go up the pole. You know, yeah. it's like, there's so much going for him. And you could jump like him, but on a scale. Like I, I feel like people don't understand scale sometimes. It's like, yeah, you know, it's like I, I have a six six guy who weighs two hundred pounds and he jumps on seventeen, you know, two twenty. Well, that guy's gonna jump a little different bar than some right. freshman boy who's five foot four, one hundred twenty pounds, yeah. and maybe on a twelve twenty. You know, right, yeah. So it's like you can jump that same model, but it's gonna be on a scale. Totally, you know? yeah. It, I mean, it's exactly like you were saying when the Mondo. Um, uh, impressions that he was doing yeah yeah it's yeah, like yeah. yeah he did the Huffman roll but he didn't do it over 19 right. nine or whatever he did he right 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 yeah yeah I it, it's nuts because it, that that also is the mental aspect too because we even talked about it on uh we did like a nationals like wrap-up podcast and kind of talked about a lot of different topics but one of the things we talked about is like it's real easy for someone to look at mondo because he's you know 17 years old and be like well, what the heck is my problem? I'm 25 and I jump 18.6. Like, I guess I should quit. Right. And it's like, no, no, no. Don't jump to that conclusion. That's not yeah. necessarily the, the right the right idea. That's know? a lot of that sports psychology kind of coming back. Into, that's kind of how I look at that. Whereas, um, yeah, why am I not doing this? Why am I not doing this? Everyone, I, I guess I look at everyone as like, maybe I come from a Buddhist thought process in a yeah, way, yeah, yeah. but it's like everyone's on their own journey. So maybe you'll get there sooner. Maybe you'll get there faster. Or maybe this person won't even make this year. Maybe pole vault's not for them. Maybe they're good for pole vault, but pole vault's not good for them or vice versa, you know, so. Well, I, I even think about, you know, it's funny because, you know, obviously like uh, like I told you, I got to work with Alan Launder, Red Beginner to Bupka, and, yep. you know, so kind of follow that model to an extent. And um, when Renault broke the world record, 
you know, everybody's going crazy and everybody's like, maybe this is the way to jump. Oh yeah. And, and that'll, that'll you, change again in a couple of years. Well, what I, again, yeah. what I was going to say is you watch the summer's Olympics and it's like De Silva from Brazil is coached by Petrov ends up beating Renault at the Olympics. And it's like, okay, now what? Right. You know? And the thing is, I, what I heard, um, and on a, a podcast, a Joe Rogan podcast, he had Dom, uh, Dominic Cruz on, who's a, a former UFC champion. And a couple things that he said that were awesome. One, he said, like like you were saying, like pull, you're not pole vault. It's right. just something you do. And he had to realize um, that he, he doesn't have to fight to feel self-worth. Right. And the other thing that he said is like people too often uh, look at their training camp or their training. And if you win, it was good. If you lost, it was bad. Right. And that's not always accurate. Win, wins and losses don't always correlate with whether or not you did a good job. I mean, how many totally. times you see people PR and maybe they did everything wrong going oh, into it. Oh, Renault's the best example. They both broke the Olympic record. Who's to say that was a bad meet for them? Right, right. No, yeah. no, no. It, exactly. You bring up a good second. point. Yeah. But the, some of the things that I think about is like, why not take away the best parts from what you see from different athletes or different models? Like to me, right. the biggest thing Vitaly Petrov has done is that high pole carry and that progressive run approach down oh, totally. the runway because you literally De Silva on that attempt that wins the Olympics you could see it came out nice high first step and, and just, just kept building yeah, yeah oh my goodness yeah, it's like totally. it almost didn't even matter what he did on the pole at that point yeah you know? and, and that yeah that just and then just the way I look at it that just goes back to physics more speed into the box and right. that's exactly I mean Petrov's a super smart dude I that book help me get through grad school because that's how yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I I pretty much wanted to prove if a free takeoff was okay. a, was real or not you know right, in right, terms right, of right. forces and there was no conclusive as like we couldn't find anything you know because everyone jumps different and if you look at some people can oh, I forgot his name but there was a jumper who jumped six meters who was about a foot under it's like well he still right. jumped six meters so who's to right, say right. that's the wrong way to jump when all that really matters in the pole vault is if you get over that bar <laughs> Yeah, you know well, something that I thought was interesting because Ro- Roman Bacharnikov told me that the the Germans I guess did some study, and it was based on free takeoff or, or an under takeoff. Yeah, and what they found was that the energy at the beginning of the jump and the end of the jump was the same whether it was free, or if it was under the right. energy. The energy. And right. the thing that Roman kind of talks about, which I think is an interesting idea, is like yeah, the energy might be the same, but he always talks about the timing of the jump is Timing changes. Yeah, because yeah, when you're under, there's going to be that delay. Totally, you know? yeah. There's a lot of variables so, in this yeah. event. And yeah, we just measured like forces in the take. So we put a force plate in the runway at takeoff okay. to measure yeah, yeah, yeah. breaking forces and forces and how much energy was being put into it, yeah, into yeah, yeah. The, the runway. And so from that standpoint, that's how we found nothing. You know what I think is also interesting about when they do like kind of like the force stuff that you're talking about, like yeah. a force plate and you know, how hard is the impact? Like yeah. I remember for um, Steve Hooker, they had that Red Bull facility for him, yeah. for him yeah. that one Olympics and they had the box that measured pressure. Right. The one thing that I always said to kids though that I felt was a little bit inaccurate looking at it that way is one, yes. A male vaulter jumping 18 plus is going to hit the box harder than, let's say, a male vaulter, even of the same weight, who jumps 15 feet. Right. But the thing is, is that the goal? Are you supposed to hit the box harder? Is your last step supposed to hit the ground harder? Or you, do you get what I'm saying? No, totally. I, I, I think is what you're, yeah, is what you're trying to say is like it doesn't matter. It's just data. 
And if you don't right. know how to use it, and you're right. not using it to fix something that's going to help you jump higher, then who cares? <laughs> At that point. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I learned that all just through grad school. It's like, well, you have these results, and you have from all this scientific data you just collected, whether it's, you know, you're testing lab rats or you're you right, know, right, whatever right. else. But if you have the information but you don't use it for something, then who cares? So. Yeah, well, well, just to, to go back, uh, I know, I forget if it was Texas A&M or who, they did a study with sprinters and they were saying elite sprinters put more force into the ground when they run, totally which is run. accurate. Yep. But the thing that I would always ask, is that elite sprinter trying to slam his foot down hard or is he just pushing off the ground and his mass and speed is producing that force? Do you get what I'm saying? No, yeah. So it's a little bit inaccurate because now you, you take that like little kid who weighs 100 pounds and you're like, you just got to punch oh, the ground yeah. as hard as you can. It's like... They're going to have that stompy oh, run. Totally. And, I know. mean, with with any research, if you just focus on one variable, you're not going to get the whole picture. Right. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. If you, you you have to collect all the information. And that's that gets, goes to what we were talking about at the very beginning of this podcast is the more information you have, the more balanced picture you can get of what's really going right. on. So, yeah, I mean, someone who doesn't understand research potentially could be like, yeah, we need to stomp into the ground a whole yeah, bunch. Yeah. But um, a more educated coach or a more ed- someone who's been educated in how to read that type of stuff, they can be like, well, no, this might be one part of the equation, but we need to take all these other yeah, aspects. Yeah, you need the bigger picture. You need it all, yeah. Yeah, so it's it's always interesting because, you, yeah, you have those specific uh, components, but then you always have to kind of bring it out and see how, how that plays and in. And that's why you run that with early – or. Um, uh, I, want, I don't want to say beginner coaches, but um, coaches just getting into coaching with pole yeah, vault. Yeah, yeah. Like we just need to pike harder over the bar. And, yeah. You know, anyone who's been in the sport long enough, they realize well, it's probably something at the beginning of this chain that causes. Right. You, know, you don't fix the pike; you fix something usually with the plant that you take off. Right. Like I, I think a lot of times, one of the things that people always say to me, they'll say, "Hey, you know, Bronco, your kids, their top end always looks great. Like, what do you do?" And it's like that's probably the last thing that we're talking about it's like i'm constantly at meets just adjusting the run telling him how to run how to jump up like we're not even talking about the jump off well, usually off the just ground. happens if you do the beginning stuff right, right. yeah totally. yeah uh it's it's just wild stuff because once you get really sciencey and you go into that world you know what i mean there's so many different variables to think about and like you said someone who's maybe young in their career it's like too much almost in the beginning. It's too much. That's what I've been trying to do with the vlogs is how can I take all the stuff I've learned with all this scientific research and all of this just, even not the scientific research, the stuff that people have just tried and heard from coaches over the years, and how can I make it chewable, I guess. Yeah, more accessible more to accessible. the novice. Yeah, so I mean, I just stress planning really early in a lot of these vlogs, and if a kid gets their plan up, nine times out of ten, good things are going to happen. If they run fast and they're as you said, good things are going to happen. Right, right. And it's, and it's so funny, yeah, like, literally just, like, plan earlier. Plan earlier, <laughs> that's, yeah. That's like, it. That's the biggest thing I see when I'm coaching and seeing kids. Like, people are so focused on their step all the time. And I'm like, man, if they just put their arms up, their foot will go down. That's biomechanics 101. Right, you know, right, right. symmetrics, which... Yeah. Have, have you ever, because we, we mentioned Roman already, yeah. have you ever talked to Roman about the way he teaches the plant? Uh, I haven't in depth, no. Um, but it, It's really interesting because I, I felt like, you know, because for anybody that's, you know, listening, not familiar, you know, Roman Charnikov uh, talks about uh, his 640 model. Yeah. And one of the things he talks about is accelerating the swing up by, I'm about to say a bad word, oh. pulling with the left hand or bottom hand. Yeah. Um, but what I think is even a bigger portion is the way he teaches the plant. Like, 
he really wants you to control the plant almost with your bottom hand right. and just allow the pole to drop on its own and then extend your arms out when almost the pole is weightless. Oh, yeah. So it becomes a really timing issue where a lot of times I feel like the two-handed plant that a lot right. of people learn, it's so much more complicated and there's a lot of different points where the, the weight of the pole is on your muscles instead of just naturally dropping. And it makes it more difficult. It's just an interesting way to look at the pump. Yeah, a lot of the a lot of the models overlap, which is really awesome. They just yeah, yeah. have different verbiage. So yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I when I went down to University of Minnesota and trained with the, the Whites, um, for the first two months, I always was joking like, "You guys are speaking Spanish. I have no idea what you're saying." But they were saying the same thing just in a different language. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, what your son what. Exactly. A free what you just pull said. drop is just a free pull drop is just an early plant, you know. Yeah, yeah, opinion. but I, I, I think it's very it important farther. that you take yeah. it that way. You know what I mean? Like, right. I, as opposed to like sometimes people do like very mechanical drills. Totally. Where I really like, regardless of whether it's bottom hand, top hand, that you see that that pull drop naturally. Yeah, it makes and, it a lot easier. And that's where a good coach can coach that. Then, you yeah, know? yeah, I mean, yeah. I can't, I can't make any great coaches just by having people watch my videos, but I can at right. least get them started and that's well, been my goal I, I think and I think that's a big thing too uh, listening to a podcast like this watching your vlogs you know t- picking up any information but then go out there and try it with your athletes experiment because, yeah. I was exactly where they were a few years ago right. and I couldn't get kids I remember having a hard time for a year getting a kid to not helicopter and I'm sure right. you guys are figuring that out too. And I could never figure it out and then one day it clicked and I was like oh they're pulling on the pole that's why they're spinning all in circles all the time but right, it took right, a long right, right. time to figure that out and see it you know because the vault happens so fast is you need that eye and the only way to get that is to watch a lot of jumps yeah, yeah. and and you have to almost the way I view it like kind of we were talking about the studies before is like let's say you have this kid jumping first of all get certain things consistent Totally. Make sure they're taking off from the same mark, you know, running from the same mark, and then you can start to include variables like what you want them to do once they're off the ground and see how the the jump reacts. Yeah, and then you can slowly tweak like that. I think a lot of times people just start making drastic changes and throwing back a left and let's try a different pole, let's try a different grip, and maybe it's too soft, maybe it's too stiff, and it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. you can just do all this with stiff pole. Yeah, what did Alan say? Take all the variables out and just learn how to pull vault that way first. Yeah, isn't that? He was like. We're just doing simple things extraordinarily well. Was that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, a, yeah. it's a, which is essentially what everyone's every good coach has said for years is the basics are important. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, one of the analogies that I used with some of my kids this year is like, look, let's say you want to play the drums. Right. What are they going to give you your first day? And my one kid was like, well, they're going to give you a drum set. I go wrong you need a stick or maybe your hands yeah up. drumsticks yeah. and a little cork board right and you gotta learn how to play like mary had a little lamb like on that cork board before you get a drum never mind a whole drum set yeah you know? i'm not taking the 16 year old and giving him a ferrari that's <laughs> ridiculous you can drive in their mom's van for a while yeah, you know? yeah yeah so you have to take it like one step at a time and master those simple things before you get onto the more complicated and, and the best part about these podcasts and, and the vlogs is the people listening to these are the people who usually don't need to hear this information. You know? like, <laughs> they're, they're the ones already digging, trying to figure things out. So um, if you guys are listening now, share these with, with your with other coaches. Yeah, I, well, out. I guess the last thing that yeah. we should talk about before I have to go warm up uh, one of my guys, um, you know, as far as like the vault community out there, one of the things that, that me and Sean were talking about is like, you know, if you love pole vault, and I'm sure there's at least a million people in America that have either pole vaulted or are pole vaulting, get involved in that social media, like stuff, view it, you know, show that there we have a community out there because then that's how our sport starts to grow. Yeah, and 
Yeah, exactly. Just just be the community. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to me, it's crazy. It's like you look at some like elite vaulters, and they might only have fifteen thousand followers on Instagram. Meanwhile, the yeah. backup punter for like the New York Giants has a million followers. Right. Like, you know. And that fifteen thousand won an Olympic silver medal and is yes! our best. Oh yeah. my goodness. Right. Yeah. So, you know, just do do your part. You know, enjoy enjoy this information that's being put out there. Um, and keep learning. Yeah, you know, just I, be a student to the event. That was the last thing I wanted to add to, and you beat me to it. Ah, just sorry. Keep, no, that was perfect, <laughs> man. We're on the same page. Just keep being a student of this event, or just a student in general of everything. But, I mean, if you love this event, for sure, pole vault. But. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, I, I wish we could have went a little bit longer. Oh, um, no worries, there, I feel like there's so much more that we could talk about, oh, so we'll we got to do this again we'll at some point. do it again, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No uh, but thanks again for being on the podcast. Yeah, it was a pleasure, man. Thank you. Awesome.